Welcome to Then There Were Two, a podcast and not a sexy game. This episode is Cinema aka Oyston's Rant Against Cinema. Listening to Then There Were Two with me, Eddie Carter, and me, Andrew Royson. And uh, the song you've been listening to there as an our introduction was Hoffman by Wahila from HX Pop, available on Cruel Nature Records. That's excellent because that's the third take he's done today, and the, only the second time he's got it right. <laughs> uh, it's not the second time; it's the first time I got it right. The, se- the first time was absolutely appalling. <laughs> Just this time, I had the balls to stop. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Parental warning: There will be swearing. <laughs> if you've not already noticed. <laughs> always noticed. Um, yes, but uh, then there were two. This is our take on us being grumpy men and um, needing something to do. I think is the best way to describe this hobby. Yeah. And my ongoing mission to beat Farage. Yes, in the podcast listening stakes. Yes, that's all it is because you know someone's already done that in Newcastle. You fucking legend. And I mean, it's a waste <laughs> of a milkshake. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have used a Five Guys milkshake. I would use a McDonald's. McDonald's one, you know, banana. But <laughs> but regardless of the tools of the trade, <laughs> we applaud you. We're sorry that you lost your job. Um, but we're we're not politically leaning. But you know, it's for us. It's for us. <laughs> anyway, the, what. What this? Uh, what is this month's episode all about then, Mr. Oyston? Well, we're going to start off with our favourite directors. Yeah, so our top five directors. Then we're going to talk a bit about modern cinema. Modern cinema, yes. So um, do you want to go... You went first last time, didn't you? So yes, so you go first this time. Okay, my, these are not in order because mm-hmm. this is a very fluid list. I say fluid. I did struggle. Um, Tim Burton is the first name on the list. list. <laughs> Uh, so the director of Batman, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, and Pee Wee Herman. Yes, he did do Pee Wee Herman. Hey, check me out. And he's a very stylistic director. Obviously, you, you see, you can look at it, you can look at a still and go, "That's a Tim Burton film." It's he's very much a Marmite director. Yeah. Other beef-based, horrible, crappy things, which yes, I do like on toast. So don't hate me for it. But I like them as crisps. Marmite crisps. Sick twat. They're the most beefy crisps ever. How can you not like beef The most crisps? beefy crisps ever are Monster Munch beefy crisps. They beat them. No, they don't. They do. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. No, you're wrong and I'm right. Her. Civil War. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Tim Burton. So Tim Burton. And it's, it, it's one of those things that he's just always impressed me. I just love his sort mm-hmm. of work. Now, the next one is one... Um, who, you might say, how is this guy a director? Hey ho, uh, <laughs> hey ho, Miyazaki. Um, so, Howl's, Move, um, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Castle in the Sky, Ponyo. So, it's an animation director. Studio Ghibli? Yes. I always go Studio Ghibli, and I and keep getting wrong. And from. my axe! No, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Carter just goes, you did it wrong again! So, that's why I was hoping you would say that. But, <laughs> he's just a fantastic visual artist. Mm-hmm. And those films, they say a lot more to me than some cartoons that come out over here, in America. Mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, just because the stories stay with me, that's why he was 
one of the first people I thought of in this list. Okay. Yeah. Um, Steve um, Sonnenberg, uh, the guy who did Ocean's Eleven and Thirteen, and Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. I, I, yes. The Ocean's films, I absolutely. Ocean's don't. Eleven, yes. And Aaron Ocean's Brockovich. Thirteen, brilliant piss taking. Yeah. Aaron Brockovich, really good. Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's Twelve is, is a hard the, one. That's a difficult love. third album, but it's only the second film. Yeah, but it's it's one way they had to make a fool of themselves in it. So when you watch it at the end, it sort of makes more sense. But it was it, it's a difficult one to love. But I'm a fan of it still. So you know, I, I'm not saying my, I never say my taste in films is perfect. No, as I keep saying every other episode, I love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So so, so there you go. Um, the th- the fourth. Brian G. Hutton. Now, for the younger viewers out there, Brian G. Hutton is a man who did di- directed films for a certain generation of older people. So, where Eagles Dare, Callie's Heroes. Was he the Dirty Dozen? I don't know. I don't think he was. But I don't think, no, I don't think he was. But he did do those sort of like um, war dramas, is the best way to describe it. I don't think you could ever class Kelly's Heroes as a war drama. But I'm talking more about where, where Eagles Dare. Again, not necessarily a war drama I mean the, the drama behind it that's, that's the sort of thing the acting was of a high quality yes I mean you. I mean he got a good a good performance out of Eastwood when he was uh, young yes he did so but uh, the, the last one uh, and some people might be surprised some people won't be John Carpenter uh, the man behind Big Trouble in Little China Escape from New York they live in something about a holiday season in America The Fog yeah um, The Thing Escape from New York uh, I already mentioned that one. Escape from LA? Yes, which is the disappointing sequel. Disappointing sequel? Yeah, he <laughs> doesn't do sequels too well. Um, and he also did Vampires, where you could telegraph the ending from about two seconds in. Oh, God, yeah, that's true. It, uh, but it just, I mean, for Big Trouble Little China, they live alone. He's in my list. Because they are just, they, they are two films from when I was a kid. Yes, they are a bit. If, if, if you're going to be, if you talk about like visual cinematic things. Yeah. But the, the messages behind them are sort of things that I've thought about. It, the style of cinema as well. It's, it's big ideas. It's, it's a big symbolism. And you've got to say the soundtrack, which Carpenter generally tends to write his own soundtracks. Yeah. And, and he, they are very, very good. And he performed at uh, Newcastle last year. Yes, he did. House, and um, it was allegedly a fantastic gig. He had, the, when they do the music, they had the videos behind them. Mm-hmm. But the person on the mixing desk was playing the wrong videos. Because <laughs> I think Carter had changed the set. <laughs> but anyway, they're my top five. Okay. So your top five, please. So my top five. Um, Are these in order, by the way? No, there's no particular order. Mm-hmm. So early Peter Jackson. Oh, I'll, we will go back to this. But when I say early Peter Jackson, I mean anything up to including the Frighteners is probably early. early yeah. And, and I think we should we'll mark to come back to that because yes. that's going to be a whole 10 minutes of its own yes. um, then we've got Alfred Hitchcock a man I struggle with but I can see why it's in people's list um, it's one of those cases of that yes on a personal level Hitchcock has a very troubled reputation um, by all accounts he was not a very nice person at all mm-hmm. however from a professional work and his uh, body of work mm-hmm. he is one of the most influential directors of the 20th century I, I, I do find it's like and that does raise the question it's a very good question about what happens when someone who has a body of work and then it turns around that that person's either done something illegal or immoral 
or just downright nasty. So the Chris Benoit syndrome in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you you've got to look at the likes of um, so Kevin Spacey. Yes, no. I, that, I struggle so much with this now because no. one of my favorite films I can't watch anymore. You see, the thing is, I'm not going to not watch his films because his performances in the films are what make the films really good. On am I supporting him by doing that? Possibly. But that, I think that for me, that's it's it's the thing of I'm going to watch it. And think you bastard, you bastard, you bastard. Because I try to watch American Beauty because I love um, what's it called uh, his wife in the film. Yes, her performance. Which one of the Oscar was superb. But I, I, but I, I, I just watch it that way. I just all I'm saying is every time I see him on the screen, I'm wanting to punch the screen, and but, that that wasn't what I had beforehand. Beforehand, I was sort of almost rooting for the guy. Yes, but you're watching the actor, not the character, and that's and I can't just I can't just, I can't switch off. See, I yeah, I can kind of. But then it's also you've also got the other example, which is also the extreme one, of Michael Jackson. <laughs> now, yeah. everyone still listens to his music. There are enough question marks. I know it wasn't proven in court, and I know that they c- it can never be proven, and there will be stories on both sides. Forever now. But there's enough of a message behind what has been said mm-hmm. to say that things weren't right. But, mm-hmm. because Michael Jackson's music made an absolute fuck ton of money, we're not going to get rid of that music. And people still enjoy that music. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of... Yeah, but some people enjoy the music of Morrissey and he can fuck off. Yes, but he's a racist twat. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, off topic. Sorry, allegedly. Um, well, it's not no, allegedly I'm pretty about much what he says. It's pretty racist. Yeah, yeah. racist. Uh, um, I mean, I know you're probably playing Donald Trump's birthday next year or something. <laughs> it probably is. Um, so, so, Hitchcock. Yeah. There's the style and the drama and the suspense and also the subversion. Yeah. One of my favourite stories... And watching it is brilliant. North by Northwest? Yes. So there's Cary Grant. Winning. Know, all sorted. It's done. And the film ends with them on the train carriage. And then the tra- cuts to a train going into a tunnel. It's 1950, 1958 when the film did. 1959. Mm-hmm. So very Puritan America. No, you couldn't even hint at sex. <laughs> so Hitchcock's put... put a train going into a tunnel. Now, you don't have to be that much of a Freudian psychologist to go... So, you know, it's that two fingers to... America. To, to, to the attitudes of the time. Yeah. Um, but that that's Hitchcock. Uh, next up. Mm-hmm. I'm, this one's probably the most troubling for me. Because when he's good... He's brilliant, and when he's bad, he's sentimental shite. Right? Spielberg. Um, he, he wouldn't even make the top ten and not struggle to make the top five. <laughs> some of the stuff... I, I mean, I, he's iconic. He is, but it's some of the stuff... I mean, yes, you've got the Indiana Jones films. Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Um, Minority Report, mm-hmm. which kind of didn't make much of an impact. I can't remember coming out in 2002. I can't remember it. <laughs> I found it on DVD, and I think it's brilliant. Um, Tom Cruise found there, ladies and gentlemen. Bridge of Spies, the post. Some of the smaller scale stuff he does is absolutely superb. I've got, yeah, I like Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Give him a sentimental story, and it's saccharinely sweet and just cloying and no. <laughs> so this is what oh, I'm oh, talking about. When you say t- sentimental, do you mean E.T.? 
E.T. Um, can I do a side joke that is from a, a famous comedian? E.T. Yeah, yes. Now, E.T., uh, this guy was um, a comedian, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Davis. And he was, about, he was watching it, and he was engrossed and enjoying his days. And his friends spoiled the film mm-hmm. forever in the same way that um, Indiana Jones is spoiled for, in Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, the Indiana Jones, if Indiana Jones wasn't there in Raiders of Lost Ark, the same thing would have happened, because he does nothing to stop it. Because they, they would have found the Ark, they would have opened it, and they all would turn to dust. Mother. Exactly. <laughs> and they all sit there go, oh, and they spent the rest of the episode trying to figure out how he did it. Yeah. But every way you think about it, it's right, but it's still, I enjoyed the movie. Anyway, um, the E.T. bit, he's saying, his friend turned around and went, you know what, if I saw something like that in, in my hut, I'd beat the shit out of it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you would have got spayed and went, no! But yeah, that's true. It, 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 you know, uh, it's, sorry, Greg, for copywriting your material, but it's, it's a beautiful line. Um, and it's your joke. We're making no money here. Um, <laughs> but I mean, some of the... Yes, it is iconic. Yeah. Amistad was good, but again, it had to... It's Lincoln. Lincoln. The paper, the one about the newspaper that was up the for Oscar. My... Actually, I enjoyed that. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed it a lot because I've read Daniel Ellsberg's book, and Daniel Ellsberg is the guy who yeah photocopied or Xeroxed the Pennington papers. Yeah, and Ellsberg's that, quite a, that, okay. So you've got a bit of investment in it. Um, my next director mm-hmm. hasn't done that much work that's mm-hmm. been recognised outside of the, the main film you've mentioned. Yes, but it's and I apologise if I am mangling this. Taika Waititi? Uh, Ta- I always go Thai. <laughs> Taika Waititi. Waititi. Um, New Zealand guy. Legend. What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. And Thor Ragnarok. Oh. <laughs> but where he not only directs, writes, but also stars in. And mentions his own film. Yes. <laughs> it, um, it, this could get three vampires on a stick. <laughs> I mean, it's... He's got such an impish sense of humour. Piss off, piss off ghost. Yeah. <laughs> which, I just, which I think, yeah. He's, he's dead. He's not dead. <laughs> he's such um, a quotable guy. He is. And he's down to direct and write um, Thor 4. Yeah. Whatever that would be called. Which I think is just brilliant because it's very rare in, in that universe where you get the same director. You've only, it's only happened once? Twice. Favreau? John Favreau. All right. Oh yeah, he did the first two Iron Man's. He did Iron Man's. Sorry, sorry. And then he, I keep forgetting he did that. Yes, and then it went to Shane Black because Favreau was more doing the acting side. Yeah, happy and he did other things. And then you had um, um, Josh Whedon. Josh. Josh Whedon. Josh. Always, I struggled that name as well. I shouldn't. I love Buffy. Anyway, I hate it. Well, anyway. there's more Alison Hannigan, but that's a different matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Redheads. What you do? Um, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. She will. Oh, shit. Uh, but um, Waikiki, he's, he's one of these people that can make the subtlest things seem funny and tragic at the same time. Huntville Wilder People was a mm-hmm. film that we got recommended to watch in my house. Mm-hmm. And I I laughed and cried. Sam Neill's performance in that film was beautiful. I He was perfect as the um, uh, literate um Angry father figure. Yeah, uh, I can't remember who the kid, the kid's name in the movie, but he was just his his comic timing got him the role in Deadpool too. Yes, 
and um, he was just and he was he was one of the highlights of Deadpool 2 he was I mean I'm not, not saying Deadpool 2 was was a disaster no but it was uh, nowhere near as good as the first one I don't know and, 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 and as much as he could because the first one was such a um, uh, what's, the, what's the way to describe it uh, unique uh, unique uh, Julian Dennison is, is this yes. kid's name but, um, New Zealand actor 1 to 2002 good on you kid yeah. um, but the world of people was just it was a bonding of it, it was a strange um, it was like an odd couple pairing odd couple pairing from different generations and just the love that came from it yeah was like beautiful in the comedy timing it sometimes awkwardness yeah, which is kind of what you want. And yeah. Like, that makes it genuine because there are times where you're talking to people that you maybe you don't know or, or different backgrounds, yeah, genders or whatever. Uh-huh. And there is that awkward bit where you're sat there going, right, I've literally lost everything I can say now. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it is a tremendous film. So that's, that's in line number four. And then finally... Mm-hmm. Because um, I know he was going to make it on your list, I think. Yeah, he was, he, he, he was the last one until, um, I think it was um, Hutton. Um, and it's Christopher Nolan. Now, I know there are some gaps in logic in some of his films. Yeah, but we're talking about a film where you go, in, in a dream, in a dream, in a dream. Not even Inception, because I, I, I think Inception is my favourite Christopher Nolan film. We agree. It's, <laughs> it's very rare this happens, by the way. Someone give Nolan a Bond film. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I don't think he needs it. But don't give him the freedom that they wanted to give Danny Boyle and realised, shit, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, I would love to have seen that film. But, um, yeah, with Nolan, I mean, even before he did his, uh, his current auteur kind of reputation, mm-hmm. he had Memento. Uh, oh. Which I watched, was confused the shit out of, <laughs> and then, what? because it was on DVD, Yeah. there was a version on there which plays it in chronological order. Yeah. And it's only through watching that that you go, that man's brilliant. It, it's it's the, it, the splicing, isn't it? Um, you've, you've then got... The Insomnia. That was what I was going to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Pacino, in one of the rare roles that I like him in, and Robin Williams. Yes, as a serious role. Yeah, because Williams... Wow. Yeah. Um, you've then got the Dark Knight trilogy. Yes. Now, there is... A fair bit of backlash about The Dark Knight Rises. I don't think it's deserved. Neither do I. It Thematically and story-wise, it carried on with what started and begins, uh-huh. what happened in The Dark Knight, and it ends it. I think the only thing I didn't like about it was one death scene. Which one? Uh, what's it called? The French lady. Oh, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, her death scene. Her death scene in that, you know, the... <coughs> It sounded like she was, she was clearing a hairball. Yeah, at least I mean she jumped in Inception. Yeah, and I just that that was the only thing. But that that was a very minor thing and a very good movie for me. I mean, yes, it didn't hit the heights of Dark Knight, but it it's it's like you're talking like a, a DVD slice. It, it's literally very close. Yeah, I mean, I, what I would say is if you look at. The way I, I was explained to me once, and I quite I agree with it, is the Dark Knight is the Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises is Return of the Jedi. It's good, <laughs> but it, it has a couple of faltering steps. I would I would have to change that because I hate Return of the Jedi. Is it the Ewoks? Fucking little fairy bastards, kick them in the balls. 
Right, I'm not the only one. Um, but anyway, the last time I saw Return of the Jedi on... Oh, uh, and the same scene. <laughs> on a streaming service, it had been the bastardised version where, yes, the Force ghost of Hayden Christensen is on there. <laughs> and I, I just sat, I looked at my wife and I, and she looked at me and I just went, I'm out. Fuck that shit. <laughs> no, not going to happen. So yeah, there's no, and then obviously the work was done after that. So you've got an Interstellar, which you did in between. I never saw them. I did that just after. Interstellar is one of those films that, again, you can see the vision mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But there are some gaping holes in there as well. And Dunkirk. I've heard a lot, but I'm, it's one of those movies where I intend to watch it, but I have to want to want a serious movie. It, it's, again, I would class it as brilliant. From a technical point of view, um, and from a storytelling point of view, but it feels a little bit soulless. Ooh. Just a smidge. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but nothing that Nolan ever does will ever match the... Um, hallway fight scene oh, in Inception where Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and, and you can the see the, the van flipping the van's flipping and the, the hallway's turning at the same time yeah and that is just when I saw that the cinema was like wow I think I've had a little wee uh, uh, if we could um, I did think about using the Inception music on here but then I thought we'd be sued we'd get wrong which is um, no no uh, disregard to Wikipedia but when it go, you know the dun, dun, dun. yes. I just thought, oh, but that 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 sounds terrible. Fine, it's one of the few things with Johnny Marr I can listen to these days. Fuck you, Morrissey. Um, <laughs> but you will get my vitriol every now and then. Um, but that was then. <laughs> this is now, <laughs> and always the top of Inception itself. The 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 layer within a layer with a layer. All the performances. Uh, Tom Hardy was. Just you need to dream a little bigger, bigger darling. darling. <laughs> There's a guy who's like, you need to play it slightly camp and a smidge, a smidge over the top. Yeah. And then go with it. And he did. Yeah. Funny enough, a couple of years later, we did a film called Lock. Yeah. Um, which is a very, very small budget British drama. Drama? Let's go with that. Basically, it's a guy driving home on the motorway <laughs> and his life is falling apart. Whilst he's driving home, that that could be the ride up to the fucking Leggett. Better than Tantoli. Anyway, um, pitchforks. Other small former pit villages are available. <laughs> Hi, Barry. <laughs> um, but no, it is an acting masterclass. Yeah, and I think Tom Hardy is good value. Whatever you see him in, he was my my second favorite role that he's in is. For Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. Ricky, he's just fantastic in that role. It's just, he brings that sort of, um, not so much naive, but you know, hunted man. Yes. Through very easily. Um, I mean, he was, even Bronson, I mean, that man. That was a character piece. That was a character piece. And he ran with it. Just, yeah. He's, he's one of those characters that you'll never see, I've never seen a bad Tom Hardy performance. A lot of people complain about Bane, you know, the. But of course, that's so because you couldn't see his mouth, you couldn't hear him properly. But I was like, but that's the character, that's the guy. And if you look at, and if you hear or read about what his prep was, he was building it on a, um, a was a, pri- a prize boxer or a, a yeah, fist, um, bare, bare fist specialist. Yes, and he built it on that kind of. That's what he's aiming for because it's a big hulking physical presence of a bloke. Yeah. The idea is this is the one character who can 
put Batman on his ass, which happened in the comic. Yes, and uh, because if you haven't watched read the comic, spoiler, uh, Bane cripples Batman. And then and another person has to become Batman whilst Bruce Wayne miraculously gets um, healed. And if you watch the Clooney Batman film... Oh, oh Jesus. Uh, again, that doesn't exist. It's a, it's a um, work of fiction. Um, Comic plot. So, Methodist plot, this one. <laughs> Methodist plot. <laughs> yes. I can't just blame the commies. <laughs> no, no, we'll blame the Methodist because it's... it's uh... it, other, do- other denominations are available for mocking. Yes. So, that... that... But um, yes, so modern cinema. Yeah. Now, a lot of modern cinema does get a bit of a um, pasting. Because uh, everyone always looks back at the genre when they were growing up, when they were in love with movies, when that was their focus, and says, oh, that's the golden age. Uh, I've heard people say about the 80s, don't see it, uh, 90s as well. I mean, obviously, I haven't heard about 2000s yet because that generation still is ongoing. In other words, they? Disney has not ravaged it yet. You will get to Disney in a bit. Yes. Um, but you've got the fans of fans of 60s or the fans of um, uh, general genres. You know, you've got the horror, people only watch horror movies, people only watch war movies, people only watch Clint Eastwood movies. You've got people that just do musicals as well. And yes. That's all they will do. That, I mean, I've sort of fell into the Marvel one, but that's because I love superheroes. So superheroes is, is my sort of comfort thing. Yeah. Um, but I've always said you could view films from different eras and see the beauty in all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Where Eagles Dare. It's, was it 70s that one? Was it Where Eagles Dare, I think it was 1968. 68, so late 60s film. I think. And we, well, if you search for that, but the, 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 the acting in it, it, I mean, yes, it had some little explosion scenes, it had some action, but it was more the drama of it, more the, the, the actual acting itself, the twist the acting was basically the actors do it wasn't really much in the way of acting the thing about Where Eagles Day there's Richard Burton he's a hard drinking shagger yeah and then in the film he was also <laughs> a shagger yeah and um, you have Clint Eastwood doing this this very calm and quiet and stoic figure and, and one of my favourite parts of that film is where Burton's explaining Spoiler here. The twists. Yeah. I'm not explaining the twist now because Christ, it gets... It's... It, 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 it twists upon twists upon twists. And he just looks at it. I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> but that very nicely com- you know, gave you the same idea as a, as a viewer. Yeah. You're sitting there going, huh? Yeah, because you're following basically what um, the your, Eastwood character is. Yes. Your, your Eastwood, Eastwood is your... Um, Every man. Your journey. Your viewpoint. Yes, your viewpoint in the film. Yeah. Um, but everyone... You know, th- there is not much in the way of Good acting in the film. There is not. It's it's it's. Uh, but it's, see, I wouldn't say good. I would say it's better than a melodrama. It's not gonna. It wouldn't have won an Oscar, but it deserves to be celebrated. It certainly does. I mean, you've also got to look at some of the cast. So you had Patrick Wymark as Colonel Wyatt Turner. Yeah. Now, is it, right? Is he the one? Was he the? No, that was the Admiral. I'm thinking the Admiral who was in um, Pompeii. You're thinking Michael Horden, who's the Admiral. Yeah. So, Every time I saw him, I just expected him to go behind somebody and they go, Ooh. So, <laughs> why Mark, when he made the film, was my age. Oh, bless. And he Hard paper round. He passed away in 1970 of a heart attack. Gee, I'm not surprised. He looked like he was having one on the film. I thought it was down a character. Um, you, I mean, one of the... One of the... Is this Darren Nesbitt? Yes, I think it's Darren Nesbitt. Yeah. Um, he played the blonde-haired 
Gestapo. Gestapo guy. Yeah. And he kind of got really, really typecast because of it. Because he was so good. He had the blonde hair and the, you know, the slightly not trusting face. You know, the guy you wanted to hate. You know, a bit like the guy who's Peaky Blinders. Yes. Kind of like that. Yeah. Um, But no, you've got... It's one of those films that it was put together. I mean, I think Don McLean wrote the treatment for it in about two or three weeks. It was packed together. Mm-hmm. And then off they went and made it, which I think was just a giant jolly in the, in the, <laughs> the arse. arse yeah. it was like, but then it was star power and it was just, this is what, it's balls to the wall. This is an action film. Go with it. Don't think about it. Just go with it. Yeah. It, it, because of that, because it wasn't expecting much, it delivers more. Yeah. Um, there was a tremendous amount of goodwill with that film. Yeah. Um, which you've got to think, a couple of years later, uh, you had Kelly's Heroes. Yes. By uh, Brian G. Hunt. Yeah. Which was very much a period, it's, a, it's more of a period piece now mm-hmm. because of the time it was made. Yeah. Because it's, this, it's, this, it's the counterculture idea. The idea of Donald Sutherland's character, you know, shooting paintballs, paint rounds out of his tank cannon yeah. is... You know, it's a hippie, but thirty well twenty five years before there was hippies. Yes. Um, but even so, that's although it's a period piece, it's still a hugely entertaining film now, as it was then. Yeah. Uh, right. So we've looked at a few older things there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing that gets me about modern cinema that you can't get away with older cinema. Is the things you can do and you can't do, right? Because some of it you can only do certain things in serious dramas, and there's certain things you can't do in comedy pieces. Uh, let's just say Blazing Saddles would never be made now. Um, no. Cannibal Run would never be made now. No, that's not to say no one should ever watch them. If you've not seen either of those films, yeah, watch them with in mind that don't be offended by what they say. Because bearing in mind the people who made these films, yeah, were totally fine with what they were doing at the time. Yeah. And also, they were done with people who were of... Um, yeah, everyone involved uh, in, was uh, to do African-American, Jewish, uh, Jewish heritage. Oh, I mean... And they, and they went with them, and they did the jokes themselves. Blazing Saddles, written and directed by Mel Brooks, who's Jewish as you can get. Yes. I mean, when he did Spaceballs, he did a character called... Um, he, did, he did a Pesica Yoda. Yes, he did. And he did it as a, Jew, as a Jewish man selling, selling merch. So. Yes. Use the Schwartz. Yeah. But and it's one of those things of they're too scared to do stuff. Like the most offensive comedy recently uh, was, was American Pie. I mean, outside of those, you know, the scary movies, which is just shit. I know scary movie too. Is, is but you know, that sort of, um, let's take this, let's get all these film references together and yeah. and make it worse. Use my strong hand. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Sorry, was, but I was going to say it was American Pie where you fucked the pie. And that's Spoiler most, alert. Yeah, well, that's the most iconic film in that way, just because of that one scene. And I'm, it's not even iconic. I think it, it's a lot to do with changing taste, and I think it's a lot to do with social, on a social level. Yeah. With the general consensus, we're far too easily offended by what we see now. And if we don't yeah. like something, we'll be very vocal in that we don't like it. Yeah. And it's almost like there's a right to be offended. Right. If you don't like mm. it, don't watch it. But don't spoil it for someone else who might like it. It's like South Park. I'll, as, as, yeah. I don't like that anymore. But I'll, I stand for the, the opinion of they've got the right to do that 
because it takes the piss out of everything. Yes. If you if nothing is sacred, I'm happy. Yeah. If you if you're doing it to, to mock everything, because everything needs mocking. It's how it's kept in line. I mean, it also depends where the joke comes from. One of my yeah. favorite jokes I've laughed at very much, mm-hmm. which is is the gentleman's joke, and no one can ever take it away from. Him, yeah. is Jackie Mason. Yeah. Now Jewish comedian, mm-hmm. and I remember watching him. I think I was it Wogan or was it Michael Parkinson? And he says, "What you know? What were Hitler's last words? Next time, no more, Mister Nice Guy." <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> well, it's not. But the, yeah, no, no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. It's just like I'm not, you know. Yeah, I see. I see where you're coming from. You know? And that kind of it, it, it's a it's a it's a Jewish man doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Which, in one sense, oh, you can't say that now because that might upset someone. If yes, you, you can. But if you go along, I thinking that I don't upset anyone, mm-hmm. you get porridge. Yeah, it's bland and tasteless. Yes, that that's something that doesn't. Flavor sense, not yeah. tasteless in a joke sense, and that's what sometimes happens. That's what that's why I think specific cinema and comedy. Yeah, it's very. I've seen the same sketch mm-hmm. a thousand times, and there's only so many times I can see a teen comedy where at the end the guy gets the girl and she finds out the love was there all along. You should watch Christmas Twenty Four. <laughs> My beloved wife's mother, bless her, mm-hmm. um, she likes Christmas movies. So Christmas 24 appears on Sky and I think it's on Freeview as well. I like, I like Christmas movies at Christmas. Not 24 day. hours a day. Not the same generic Hallmark shite. I was going to say, I mean, there was one that I did spoil for myself. Um, when I was a kid, I used to love the film um, The Night They Save Christmas. It's a TV cut Christmas movie. It is, yes, and I, I do recall it. And I watched it again as an adult. And the magic was gone. <laughs> But but in the, in the head it just, it isn't gone in my head because I still remember the enjoyment of watching it as a child. But I wouldn't watch that. Yeah. In the middle of July, the only Christmas film that I can watch in the middle of July is Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. Not Santa Claus the movie because it was I loved that as a child and John Lithgow to this day is it's an immense, brilliant. immense actor in whatever he does. Um, even in Late Night, a film that got released on Netflix a month ago, he right. only plays the husband of Emma Thompson's character. And he's not in it very much, but even then, he's just... He, it's it's a sense of gravitas on the screen. It's brilliant. And he was good in Bake Off. Yeah. He was superb in Bake Off. That's a whole and he was thing. also in um, Dexter. Yes. yes. But um, I, I truly believe that these Christmas films, they're a bit like in American television. They're a bit like what The Bill and Doctors are to British television. <laughs> if you're an aspiring actor, it's your entrance into acting. <laughs> Oh, I get it now. I get it. You yeah, know, yeah. You look at who's been in the bill. It's like a who's who. <laughs> Even Doctor Who is a who's who. <laughs> Damn you, Carly. I you st- shouldn't have had a successful film career, so you could have come back and played Sally Spiral. I, st- I still laugh to this day. I mean, it's only joke on extras I've ever laughed at, to be absolutely honest, um, where he's playing the slug. And David Tennant's there being Doctor Who because um, the character say I'm not doing Doctor Who hmm. and now he's done it because he wants to be famous the only thing we could get them die is by throwing salt and Ricky Gervais' character just looks as if he's sick of his life and I'm a Doctor Who fan but I still yeah I got the humour I understood where I was coming from yeah now um, but the, so so the sensitivity that we can't go with you, you can't say something because it's going to be wrong That that's something that's missing in my sort of thing it doesn't have to be there in every film no, um, there are t- there's a time and place. Yes, because um, I don't want to be watching something 
of uh, spy nature and then someone go look boobies that would have you ever watched spy uh, is that the one with um those... yeah yeah I did watch it and um that was that that was a movie which was close to what the the spirit of, of those things because it it did go a little, sometimes you went oh but it also had its heart right in the right place it also had Jason Statham who was told right play an exaggerated version of every film actor character you've ever played and he did it had Jude Law pretend to be the posh um, yes Bond uh, Miranda Hart being the ditzy best friend which is yeah. what she does mm-hmm. and I, I, for what it was I had I laughed I'll, if, I'll, if I can laugh about five times in a film that I've watched for free on Netflix I'm trying to avoid it I find that a victory other streaming services are available allegedly but they cost more um, and, and once the Disney one launches it will cost even more um, but you, I liked I, I, it was it was decent it was not my favourite film never would be but you know I mean it's a bit like um, here's a controversial one coming I was going to say it was better than Aquaman yeah I have a blog post about Aquaman I really, <laughs> I really detest that film with a passion because it's just so so all do, over the place you, you know how I, I mentioned um I've said before, not on this block, but this first time I've said here. But my worst ever film was Journey: The Sand of the Year, the Brendan Fraser version. Yeah, yeah, Aquaman. Um, but but it makes it makes that journey to Sand of the Earth feel like um, Commando. <laughs> you know, throw away, but you'll watch it. Yes, <laughs> I, there's a film that I I, I quite enjoyed. Mm. I can see where some of the valid criticism came from, but mm. I also understand why the haters were so wrong about it. Right. The remake of the Ghostbusters with the all-female cast on this right. McCarthy. Uh, oh God, I've got the names now. <laughs> right, so you go through the reasons, and I'll look at who right. they are. So it's part of the problem I have with the film is that it tried to re-engage fans of the original, um, and it was our friend Gary who pointed this out when on the trailer said thirty years ago, four scientists. Yeah. It wasn't four scientists; it was three plus Winston. Okay. Winston was the hired help. Right, so it was Mister McCarthy. Kirsten Wake, uh, Kate McKinnon, mm-hmm. uh, Leslie Jones, and yes. Chris Helmsworth. So with Leslie Jones, who was unfairly, very, much very so. unfair. Have you ever seen anything with Saturday Night Live? Leslie Jones yeah. is at his. She, she, and, and Kate McKinnon. Yeah, they were both very funny in that. Yes. I, I mean, so you, you were talking, Polly. That's right. Um, and as a film on its own, if you take it as a film on its own, mm-hmm. it's an entertaining, reasonably funny. Not laugh out loud, but reasonably funny. Shit CGI. Very crap CGI, but then they went for that look. So that's, the day that's look, that's fair enough. But it's not a waste of a couple of hours. You watch it and you think, ah, that, that, that's quite good. It doesn't deserve the hate and the vitriol no. that, especially some of the cast, that Jones took. I would say it was about a seven. I would say, yeah, I would say yeah, about a seven. Sorry, it's not brilliant. The CGI knocked it down for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had its... Good points. I would say Tony is probably better than Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2 is is awful. Yes. Don't care, Gary. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. I, I. The so, whole thing about that film was just... Yes, I know it had the best villain of the, of the three. But my God. Yes. Um, Pinkoos. Fuck off. Uh, but I mean, you mentioned crap CGI there. Another yeah. film I saw recently which had tremendously good CGI... Mm-hmm. Detective Pikachu. Still not seen it. Really should. Oh no, I, I want to. It's just it's. We I've, I've got to wait for it to come out on DVD because because streaming is illegal. 
Um, yes, because I, I, I went to the cinema twice with him to see it. Um, and I, yes, there are some slightly niggling minor points that don't gel. Yeah. But overall, I just, want more Detective Pikachu. Just fun. It was just a fun movie. It was a fun, um, lovely, well-made. I mean, stupidly well-made. Yeah. It, it, the scenes where you have all the different other Pokemon in there. Yeah. It's just like it's like a natural, breathing, living world yeah. with Pokemon in. <laughs> the world building is superb. Yeah. Um, so you know, so that's a good, this is this is a good example of a good good CGI, good, a good CGI, good body movie. Yeah. Now, in your little gap, because I asked you to pick the things. Yes, it is rustling the papers. Rustling the paper. Now you have talked about um, Disney cash grab, sheer lack of creativity. Now, Mr. Easton, Mr. Carter, I would like you to be the prosecution here because we're we're at about the 40 minute mark so we're going to have to do this bit I think right properly now why are you saying that Disney I've got to fucking defend this it's a cash grab to what they're doing so let's let's go let's start off with the likes of Star Wars they buy the rights to Star Wars off George Lucas for four billion dollars and yeah everyone's like wait brilliant Darth Mickey Um, the follow up trilogy has been all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Kelly Tran, who's the actress who was had to come off social media because of. By the way, Patreon. she didn't deserve that either. So again, if you did that, I'm, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if you have a problem with an actor playing a character, then take it up with the film studio. Don't take it up with the actor who's just doing a job because that's what they're paid to do. Don't take it up. If um, the performance was awful, but the performance wasn't awful. No, she's actually one of the nicest characters in it. But that's yeah, that's, that's, that's beside. Yeah. So, so you have. That original trilogy. Then you had Star Wars, Star Wars Rouge One. <laughs> Rogue One, which... Rouge, Rouge, it's always Rouge. I, I did post it as, as Rouge and got mocked. Yeah. But um, my second best Star Wars film. Which was anyway. really good. Yeah. Then you had Solo. Now, this is where the cash grab comes in. <sighs> right. One, it was an origin story, which we don't need. Two. <laughs> you hate them. <laughs> two. If you take out the fact that it's Han Solo... Mm-hmm. What you've actually got is a highly entertaining and rather funny heist movie. Yeah, which I I, I, I get. Because the, the the problem with linking it with Solo, with the character of Han Solo, is you're watching the lead actor's really bad impersonation of what he thinks Harrison Ford would be as a youngster, which gets better throughout the film, granted. Yeah. But... Because he can't start as Han. It's just... Yeah. Okay. So, so that, there's that cash grab. Right, right. Then you've got the plundering of their back catalogue. And when I say back catalogue, I don't mean the likes of Fantasia, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. None of that jazz. No. I mean, Songs of the South, you're never going to hear that <laughs> Ever, ever again. Yeah. And with damn good right. But, I mean, you had Mary Poppins Returns, which I thought was rather good. I can only get up to halfway through that film. I, I have... The actress's face. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Just, it's just one of these actresses I just don't get. Fair but, enough. That, but, that, but that's just me. That's you. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's slightly let it down is it follows the original beat for beat, but slightly changed. Yeah. And it, it's, it the follows the, the bicycle bits. Mm-hmm. They're modern bikes. I'm sorry. They might look like old bikes, but they're modern bikes. And that's just like, no, that's definitely modern. That's not working. But that's... So it was a bit of a misfire, but still decent. And it's, it, is, it is based on the second, like the sort of follow-ons 
Because they couldn't do that beforehand. Yeah. Anyway. So there's that. Yeah. Then you get to the MCU. Marvel, but for people I don't know. Which Andrew has been having a bit of a problem with for a while. The last year or so, I've been looking at each forthcoming Marvel film, with the exception of Avengers Endgame, because that's telling the end of a story. So any every new character or new introductory film. And each one's been kind of like, really? How is this going to work? Right. And it's it, 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 it reached its peak, I, I think, with um, Captain Marvel. Because the trailer came out, and I just went, nah, I don't want to watch that. Mm-hmm. You, of course, you realise I did go and watch it, and I think it's brilliant. Um, and, and you're still going to bitch about it. <laughs> but it, it's... I, I'm, I'm personally starting to feel Marvel fatigue. MC mm-hmm. fatigue is kicking in now. Yeah. We're 22, 23 films in now with Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. I get it, but the problem with Marvel, with Disney is now they've got this cadence of film releases, and I remember reading about five, six years ago they planned it to 2028. I think, can we please have something new? It's going to be, you know, the origin film is going to be character out of place, character has a problem, character discovers themselves, mm-hmm. big CGI punch-up. Yeah. Then the second film, character's established, character comes up across with friends, there's a problem, there's a big CGI punch-up. Is there sometimes a theatre film? Group movie. Lots of characters from different films come together at the same time. If face them has a problem, there's, there's drama, there's personal tensions, there's a CGI punch-up. <laughs> sensing a theme here and then everything's alright at the end or kind of alright at the end because yeah. you know, you've got to have hooks to get the next round of films brought in and I'm I'm getting really close to dropping off the bandwagon I'll go and see Far From Home I have read the Wikipedia page with the plot on it I've seen Far From Home and I would recommend watching it and I still think yeah because I have more interest in the forthcoming Sherlock Holmes 3 with Dexter Fletcher directing yeah than I do about any of the potential films which are likely to be a Black Widow prequel mm-hmm. they say it's a prequel because spoiler she's dead um, Thor 4 Thor 4 Doctor Guardians, Strange 2 Guardians, Guardians 3. 3 Black Panther 2 so there's mm-hmm. five films that are likely to come uh, at the time of recording because who knows what's going to change yet um so that's at least the next two years. Okay. All right. Should I do my defence? Have I missed anything else? Oh, yes. And the last one. The plundering of their back catalogue again. Animated films. Mm-hmm. You took Lion King, an 88-minute musical animation, and turned it into a two-hour-plus CGI animation. It's not live action. Oh, yeah. Live action. Yeah. It yeah. involves live action. Some of the best CGI ever committed to film ever. Yes, in 20 years' time, we'll look back and go, God, that film looks crap. <laughs> but looking at it now, it looks brilliant. Why? It's 25 years since the first one came out. Mm. You're not targeting me, yeah. who was a teenager when the first one came out. Mm-hmm. You're targeting kids. Yeah. But you'll want the adults to go because they were kids when that one came No. You've got um, Aladdin, which prior to its release and the whole uh, yeah, Will Smith genie thing... <sighs> It got unfairly bashed. It wasn't fairly bashed. You didn't see the film as it was supposed to be. Now it's come out. It's nearing a billion dollars. It's a massive success, which I'm pleased for Guy Ritchie because he really needed one. Um, But yes, why? Uh And then Mulan's coming out. I like the original. 
I will be honest, I've never seen it. I've seen the casting, the cast of the new of the new live action version, uh-huh. and I think it's stellar cast. I'm really pleased they've gone for Chinese or Chinese American actors because there is nothing so worse than let's set this film in medieval China. Here's Matt Damon. <laughs> oh shit, they've already done that. <laughs> the Great Wall. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Um, and I just think, what's next? Right. Emperor's New Groove? Please no. Um. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's my run of Disney. They, are, they exist purely to generate money for Disney shareholders and we, to hell with creativity. And so, so basically, the, the, the end of this episode is going to be you bashing Disney and me yeah. trying to defend some of it. Well... Set yourself away, Bonnie Lad. Okay, all right. Um, in regards to the live action films, I I agree with you to a big extent here. I don't see the point unless they're bringing something different to it completely or adding on to it. Mary Poppins too. Yes, it did beat for beat, but it's sort of told a different story to all the Banks children growing up. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. It went a different way. She'd already been to Wonderland. She came back. It's just trying to remember who she was. Let's forget the sequel. I didn't mind the sequel. It wasn't great, but I didn't mind it. It also Tim Burton didn't direct it. Um, yes, but he produced it. Uh, but um, the live actions, yes, it's, hit, it's hitting your, your your adults who take the children because oh, I remember this. We'll go watch it together and it could be a family entertainment. I also think it's a lot to do with copyright, which because basically it, if they lose if they those films are old and copyright only lasts for a certain time before it becomes public knowledge. Look at the film Nosferatu for, st- for starters, yes. the original version. You yeah. can get, you can, you can buy it, or you can watch it for free on YouTube. Well, it's there. things for free on YouTube. I was going to say, uh, Metro- Metropolis, that's free, because the copyright of the original, not the special editions, the is gone. Film, yes. It, and that's, so that, that, I think it's more to do with that sort of thing, that they're redoing it. Mm-hmm. So they can say, yes, we still own the copyright for the original cartoons and this remake, and extending their license over product. Uh, yes, it does have the side, the, the, the pain in it this other way, so it's bringing the family together. Yes, it can make everything look more real, it looks more real in the cartoons. Ah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The Jungle Book didn't work for me, Beauty and the Beast, um, Lumiere scares the living shit out of me. I mean, in the way, like in Indiana, sorry, um, Razor Lost Ark scares the shit out of me. Mountain Phases, I don't like it. Uh, but, oh, that, that's that's uh, another one that's coming out as well, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, I don't, what, what the what? fuck is upset with that casting? But I don't understand why they do it, but I do, if you get what I mean. It's not for me, but I, I wouldn't poo poo people that go and watch it. Cause, oh, no, I'm not calling them, I'm calling Disney. Because uh, Mrs. Carter loves Beauty and the Beast. She, uh, I mean, even the Emma Watson. She just she loves the song. She thought it looked good, and I think that 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 tape um, tampers dampens my vitriol towards it in one way, mm-hmm. because I could see someone getting genuine pleasure from it, and I've seen kids get genuine pleasure as well. well that, that's fair, but I'm, I'm I know I am being very cynical about it. Yeah, it's kind of if you're going to make films that do that. Yeah. What about people who don't want to watch that? And, and I'm in that part. I'm in that group. This, but that's where manga comes for you. Um, now we're gonna. I'm gonna quickly go on to Star Wars here. Um, I would, Solo. I do agree. It's a brilliant heist movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Glover's performance as Lando Calrissian oozes. I mean, he's the sort of guy that makes you want to go beans on toast up. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those wow. things. That, <laughs> wow. Your wife will listen to this, and she'll be like. <laughs> Not surprised. Uh, <laughs> and your wife will listen to it too. We know that you're thinking the same. Um, it's what um, I yes, I am. <laughs> it's just it's just charisma. Yes, it is a bit of a nostalgia thing, but I get it's not the worst Star Wars movie. 
It's not, and, and one thing I will say is um, Ron Howard, who took over from the Lloyd brothers, Peter and Chris Lord. Lord, so I mean, apparently seventy to seventy-five percent of Soul had to be reshot, which yeah. is why it was never going to make money because they spent a metric book ton of money. Rumours up to three hundred million. Yeah, um, over a portal up to three hundred million. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the fact that it turned out as good as it did is a testament to not only the cast, to the production crew, but also to Howard and the faith that. Um, the Lucas is it Lucas Film that still runs Lucas, it? it is still Lucas yeah. Film Division um, they had in Howard who came in and said like, yeah. here's a shit show make it better make it better and, and it, I was going to say it's not, as I said it's not the worst one uh, your hatred of origin movies uh, as mentioned on when we did films as a thing we're talking about top five films mm-hmm. is wrong in my head and always will be because if you don't have an origin sometimes when you just introduce a character you don't give a shit there's some of them that I do think that don't need I don't think we need I think if we're going to do Black Widow we should have done it ages ago because yeah. she, she was she deserves her character the arc is done her arc is done the character deserved a movie yeah, but um, but if Captain Marvel just dropped in, no, no, I mean, it's not. It's, it's one of those things of you, you don't care about the character. As I keep saying, Transformers the second one, uh, the ball swinging disaster of doom, as I call it. Yeah. Half the Transformers in there, I didn't even know the names, and when they died, I didn't care because yeah. I, that wasn't established. No, no, I, I get it, it's not the origin per se. It's the fact that they have to bring in new characters at least one every year. Possibly two. Because it, because the whole point is they want this thing to go on and on and on and on. But the origin mm-hmm. movies, in essence, don't change. Because you yeah, just look at the characters struggling with, this, with the... The same problems they had, the same problems... It's the, if, if the origin story was different, there was a different origin story where it's actually someone who went, oh, um, I don't know, how do you do an origin story? But if you don't, that, that's this thing, we, we aren't writers, we can't. But, but let's, let's put it this way. To me, Black Panther was a different origin story for, for you and Mike and me. But in my head, the thing it was, is it was a man dealing with the death of his father, trying to yes. get, his, get his place in the that, kingdom, and then, fight, and then fighting this threat from return, someone who turned out to be um, bloodline mm-hmm. through his father's mistake. And, and by the way, the, the guy who played that role was in Wild Geese. Fantastic. Two things about that film. Yeah. One... As uh, Andy Circus needs to do panto because <laughs> he needs to batch it off the wall. Yeah. Secondly, it still ended up in a CGI punch up at the end. Yes, but CGI. And a bad one. And a really, it was a bad one because the CGI in that fight scene. I didn't mind it. Because it's black. Oh, the background, not, not the character. Yeah, I was going to say, basically, no. did you see the look on my face there? <laughs> no, it's a dark background. Now, yeah. CGI in dark backgrounds never, ever do very well. You've got to be very careful with your lighting, with your main, with your physical characters, yeah. and it it didn't work. It it really didn't. Even some of the you know the, the scene where they have that combat mm. in the in the pool on there, mm. you could tell it was a studio because the lighting didn't match. It was subtly different from the CGI landscape and the background. It's like right, I, I'm now starting to see the limits of what you're trying to do. But you can always push it to a certain degree, but. Again, it's you it, from, from my head. I still got lost in it. I still got, I got lost in that one. Marvel, not not so much that I got lost in that one. I'll be honest, but that's because it was in the past, and you get characters who are in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they try, they try, they try to catch up so much, but they try, they try to make it themselves. Sometimes, 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 sometimes,
Universe's attempt to create a universe where they've gone, let's have Superman, let's introduce Batman, let's have Justice League, and then we'll have other films with these characters. But no, we've already had Justice League. Oh, that's all right. We'll still have an Aquaman film. Right, we'll go back. Then we'll have Shazam, who isn't tied in with him just yet, but he will be. Then we'll not have Batman. <laughs> what? Do we need another Batman? Seriously? But the Batman we had, Batfleck, was brilliant because the fact of, look, he's getting on in life. He's not the young... Scallywag, yeah. He's tired. Mm. 
So we're not having the origin because Nolan did the origin and that was great. You never need it. It's like the same as Spider-Man. You don't need yes, it Yes, Poor Uncle Ben. He's been <laughs> up and down like the Grand Old Duke of York. He's yeah. <laughs> but that, the, the idea to compete with the cinematic universe What's that? It's like has a, led to the absolute shite. That was Aquaman. That was Aquaman. <laughs> I think, well, Shazam I've not seen, but I do want to see because it looks fun. I've seen the Honest Trailer for it, which came out this week. Yeah. And having seen the Honest Trailer and bits of the film, I'm thinking, actually, no. No, I do want to watch it, because it can't be as bad as Aquaman. Um, That's true. The, th- the thing that happened with DC is, um, yes, I agree, they rushed it. Uh, big rush job. Uh, they should have, because when Marvel did Iron Man, there wasn't that much of a plan. Yeah, there was a plan to do four or five movies, but there wasn't like the overending arc. It was only once you got to Avengers that that started. Yes, once once Avengers was commercially successful. Yeah, because then they could go, right, we have plans, but let's not bank on them. Yeah, but then we came to Avengers, and the other thing, we had Captain America, the first Avenger, first Avenger, Thor, Thor, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Hulk, Hulk, which, yes, it's canon, but it's really not. Yeah, it's it's became canon because it talks about destroying Brooklyn. Yes, they brought in um, oh William Hurt's character, yeah. General Ross. Yeah, General Ross. Yeah. I mean, Thunder yes, Hulk. it does have a different Hulk, but but it was canon in there because it was released after Iron Man, so yeah. that's why it's. So you know you, you've got that, uh-huh. um, and they're building it, and the, 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 they are having a very good run. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this takes me back to the whole idea of Disney. Yeah, they have run Star Wars into the ground once you get once you get episode 9 out in December Mm -hmm. which I'm looking forward to because I want to see how this I want to see how I get the Emperor back spoiler but but, but that's in this that's in the and Ray kicks ass I'm sorry she does (laughs) she she kicks don't you think that she does need a bit of help though she does yeah Um, anyway once you've got that done you've got the forthcoming trilogy from the guys behind Game of Thrones Mm mm-hmm but it's that you know but we don't I think the next thing that we do if they do a Star Wars where's the next original film coming from yeah, I'll agree with that as well because sometimes you do want something that's differently creatively different that is a new thing I would love them to do <clears throat> well it's actually becoming TV now but Star- Sandman I wanted that to be a big thing in the cinema but it's not I, th- I think to do it cinema wise you're looking at a trilogy at least you're, no you're looking at nine well, a trilogy at least, you know, like yeah, yeah. Three, three threes. Yeah. But the amount of money that would cost? Oh, God, yes. But it would be glorious. I won't give in. Um, and, um, that's a different radio show. That's <laughs> different thing. But yes, I, I agree. It's, yes, originality sometimes is, it's at the cost of this. But, as I said, you're talking to someone that's an MCU fan in this way. Disney by default, probably, yes. But I was an MCU fan before Disney bought it. So I got took along for the ride, and at that point, the ride was already happening. Mm, okay. So basically, I'm signed on. I wanted DC to do good because competition was good, and they do have some good characters. Yeah, I always get slightly bored with Superman because he's just so one-dimensional and too good. Yeah, Batman, there's always darkness and ambiguity, and Arrow or Green Arrow as he was known in the mm-hmm. comics he would be good I mean the TV show shit but he would be good always the villains yeah it's the villains that make it good Joker I mean Darkseed in the comics yeah. what a villain in the film not so much Steppenwolf <laughs> in the comics yeah yes Steppenwolf in the film not so much ah uh, Luther hmm? Lex Luthor in the comics yes in the film 
that's my job. <laughs> but yes, it's if they play catch up. It's going to be hard. But I don't think cinema's dead as a medium. You've always got to have good films. Oh no, I didn't say it's dead. But, but I, I think there's too much. There's a lot of cash in. But some people, uh, as I say, um, they want comfort. They want tomorrow to be the same as today. And sometimes in cinema you need that, but sometimes you need uh, a, a film that's going to break the mold, and that's where your Christopher Nolan's coming. But what you know, just as the great Ronan Keating once said, "What if tomorrow never comes?" Well, if tomorrow never comes, we're going to be dead and toasted anyway, which is a happy note to end this because we're just over the hour, I'd say. Yay! Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Then There Was Two, The Bashing of Cinema by Andrew Oyston. And that's what the the episode's going to be. Uh, my name's been Eddie Carter. And my name's Andrew Oyston. And thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Then There Were Two. Safe trails until next time. <laughs>